Last fall, Dr. Renit Mashori, who's a family practitioner at Georgetown University, was on her LinkedIn page when something caught her eye. Suddenly I see this message directed to me saying, um, hey, Renit, I'm reaching out uh, to see if you would be interested in joining the provider network for an organization I'd never heard of before named Ubiome. Ubiome is a biotech startup that does direct-to-consumer genetic testing, mostly focused on the microbiome. That's the collection of all the genes of all the microbes that live in our gut. Essentially, the collective genome of trillions of bacteria, fungi, viruses, and protozoa. Ubiome's trademarked smart gut test, based on, quote, patented technology and extensive peer-reviewed research, end quote, promises to identify good and bad microbes associated with conditions like Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, and irritable bowel syndrome, or IBS. The last line, it says, find out how smart gut can help you guide your patients in taking steps to better manage their health. So, you know, I don't want you to get me wrong. I think the research on microbiome is really exciting and it's promising, but we're just so, so early. And I don't think that any of the findings so far, and there's been a lot of research going on around the world, can help me as a primary care physician or any physician, to be honest, guide my patients in some sort of interventions. They looked at the website and they talk about that the results of these tests will give you and your physician actionable information. I don't see it be giving me any actionable information at all. But with or without you biome, plenty of people are taking action. People are guzzling prebiotics and probiotics, using bowel tracking apps on their smartphones, enduring colonics and enemas, and even attempting DIY fecal transplants they've learned from YouTube videos, all based on a belief that these interventions result in a healthy microbiome. But do we even know what a healthy microbiome is? We don't. Alexander Koritz is a gastroenterologist at the University of Minnesota who heads up their microbiota therapeutics program. We're still learning how to characterize the microbiome, what's normal, what's abnormal, how many abnormal patterns are there, what diagnosis or diagnostic information can be derived uh, from microbial community investigation. But there are no commercial products out there targeting the microbiome that can be trusted, whether it's diagnostics or therapeutics or whatever. There's really only one area of medicine where the microbiome, or at least the microbes of our gut, have been proven to be therapeutic, and that's using fecal transplants in patients whose intestinal microbiome has been decimated by antibiotics. Many of these patients become infected with an opportunistic bacterium called Clostridium difficile, or C. diff for short. Fecal transplant not only restores the intestinal microbes that were decimated by the antibiotics, but is also over 90% effective in treating C. diff infection. And that's where we stand in the spring of 2018. No other proven diagnostic or therapeutic interventions, period. But you'd never guess that from the news coverage. It is definitely hyped. Andrew Holtz has been a healthcare reporter since the late 1980s. What really bothers me about almost all of the news coverage I see about the microbiome is the lack of skepticism 
and the lack of attention to actual evidence of cause and effect. There are stories that occasionally will nod to the lack of evidence, say more study needs to be done, but those cautionary comments are usually a tiny part buried deep in the story where all the headlines are about, gosh, this could revolutionize everything. This will make you healthier. You could pop a pill to do A, B, and C. You know, that's just plain backwards. If something hasn't been proven, it hasn't been proven. And it should say that these ideas are tantalizing but there's a lot of more work to do. That should be at the top. And Holtz wanted to be clear that he's not implying that he thinks the microbiome shouldn't be covered until all the evidence is in. On the contrary, he finds it fascinating and has reported on it himself. But he says the coverage reminds him of when he reported on genetics in the 80s and 90s. He felt speculations of dramatic breakthroughs got more ink and airtime than actual evidence. He thinks journalists who take that approach are shooting themselves in the foot. And I really fault a lot of journalists and the model of the news business for going with the excitement rather than the value. Uh, and I think that, in part, that has hurt the long-term health of the news business. Because when you constantly say things that fail to come true, people begin to just tune it out. Sure, that the clickbait works in the short run, but in the long run, it actually destroys the credibility of the news organizations, and I think it's a real reason why people tune out and aren't following through. And I think that really not only hurts the credibility, the moral standing, the high-minded hopes and dreams of journalism, but I think it's a bad business decision because you train people that there's nothing there. As a physician who treats patients and also researches the microbiome, Dr. Alexander Koritz sees other dangers coming from unjustified promises made by both marketers and the media. Well, there's several dangers. Companies are taking advantage of people's desperation. They often don't have solutions, and they're looking for alternatives. And this seems like a solution to their problems. And so they, they make easy victims. So that, that's one. Number two is uh, there's only so much goodwill in the public to support research. So if you overpromise stuff, you overhype it, and then the promises are not lived up to, enthusiasm will be lost prematurely, uh, and the potential that's there may not be fulfilled or abandoned. It's an important point Koritz makes. It echoed in my head this week as I came across headlines such as Wine and coffee are good for the microbiome, and junk food is bad for the microbiome. I read tweets by people who claim the microbiome dictates your mood and also causes osteoarthritis. I saw ads for microbiome toothpaste and microbiome lotion, and I came across some wild claims on YouTube. Here are some excerpts, with the middle one actually being from a morning news show. So if you're addicted to chocolate, cookies, bread, ice cream, things that you know you probably shouldn't be eating all the time, guess what? It's not your fault. It's actually not you. 
It's that bad bacteria that's teamed up against you. They become bullies on the inside and they're actually forcing your cravings. But bacteria in your digestive tract are actually the main thing that guard against infection and illness and keep us healthy. And I'm concerned that she's not feeding the boys the right food. She's giving them carbs and that's great when they're healthy, but the point is that gut bacteria need lots of plant fiber so that they can grow and flourish and crowd out the bad bacteria, the viruses, the flu. We just need to know that the gut talks to the brain, the brain talks to the gut, there's lots of neurochemicals in there that are going to help you to feel better and to have better mood. So if you, your mood isn't where it should be, maybe you need to look not just to the brain, you need to look to your gut. This is what pop culture has done with the microbiome. This despite the fact that most of what we know about the microbiome is based on animal models that are nearly impossible to extrapolate to humans. That the microbiome is many orders of magnitude larger than the human genome. Its composition is constantly changing and influenced by a host of environmental factors. The genetic sequencing of it has been superficial at best, mostly done in bacteria. And even less is known about the fungi, viruses, and protozoa. In short, microbiome research is in its infancy. Yet, Dr. Koritz remains upbeat. I, I actually am largely an optimist that there is a lot of promise. There may be more promise in the microbiome than genetics. It's also a modifiable factor. So I do envision that at some point, 10, 20 years, we will come to a, a potential for precision medicine where um, we will be able to look at the microbiome of somebody. Let's say it's, it's an obese person, and perhaps we'll be able to examine their microbiome and say whether or not that is an appropriate target for treatment. Uh, I believe interventional studies are really needed to, to go from associations to treatment. We just keep studying and making mathematical associations. It's all kind of provocative, but you're not really um, testing hypotheses uh, in a rigorous way or making therapeutic progress. So I'm, I'm a, certainly in the interventionalist camp and trying to do interventional studies because I, I think they are key to making progress as fast as possible. And let's be clear here, there's a big difference between talking about the promise of the microbiome and making promises about its potential before the evidence is in. This podcast is a production of healthnewsreview.org. It's produced at our institutional home, the School of Public Health at the University of Minnesota, along the banks of the mighty Mississippi River. I'm Michael Joyce. Thanks for listening.